you dumb, beautiful fucker. Who wants to be in America's slash fit with Abraham Lincoln? Louisiana Purchase, that's a name. You need to really get off my balls, okay? I'm gonna kick your ass. Also, why was Michelangelo so stinky? Ew. everyone and welcome to this very special episode of all you can hear i'll be your host today patrick and joining me today i have a very special guest from the saved by the bell y'all podcast it's david how are you today david well i'm flattered that i am a special guest so yeah i'm doing great i appreciate that oh uh at any time we wouldn't really want to <laughs> sort of to, to branch out and talk with other shows and i'm really glad that you're generous enough to take us up on the offer and i'm glad you can join us today I did want to, to mention that this is a special episode. We're talking about one of my favorite things. You've heard it on the show a few times, uh, and that's tokusatsu. This broad idea of Japanese superheroes, special effects, huge encompassing genre. And today we, we're sort of focusing on a mutual interest for both parties, and that's Ultraman. And David, if you would, please explain to the audience, like, what is your show about? Yeah, absolutely. So we are Saved by the Belial, an atrocious Ultraman podcast, which, you know, in retrospect, most people are going to read it as an atrocious Ultraman podcast. And it's like, why would you call your show atrocious? But for people who haven't watched it, there's a character that uh, is called Belial Atrocious, and that's how they pronounce it as the Japanese to English translation. But Anyway, we, uh, we're a podcast that is going through various Ultraman shows. We go like the older era, which would be called the Showa era. Uh, that's like in the 60s and 70s. And we're doing some of those. And then we'll bounce over to more of the modern contemporary shows. But our focus is instead of spending an entire podcast episode talking about an entire series, or maybe we only spend, you know, like we spend an hour talking about a single episode, which seems like overkill. Uh, what we're doing is we take three minutes to discuss an episode at a time because in Ultraman, he um, the majority of the giant giants of light, so to speak, they have this thing called a color timer, and it typically lasts three minutes. And once the three minutes is out, the Ultraman dies. So that's kind of our our goal is just to keep things rolling. And half the time, we don't even really talk about important stuff. We just <laughs> get on weird tangents, and by the end of it, we're like, oh, we probably should have talked about the episode, but. It's working out pretty well, so we're we're happy with the uh, the turnout so far. Well, good, because I've been definitely been listening to your show over the last several weeks, and I I really do enjoy it. You and your co-host have a great uh, rapport. It's like it's friendly and light, and I honestly I love the gimmick because with a lot of sort of genre shows or like niche interests, you have one host who's more versed in the subject, and you have one host that's a little bit more new to the field, and, and y'all have that sort of setups uh in, a, in a, a certain regard but hinging your show around Ultraman's ability to fight within this, the confines of three minutes I think that's a great gimmick and sort of allows you to go through a a larger number of episodes even if you don't quite get to everything I, I think like that's a really interesting concept to build your show around yeah I appreciate that I mean with our last show when we focused on Godzilla that kind of was our shtick so to speak because i didn't realize that was a thing like i we're just like you know i don't confession i don't actually really listen to a lot of podcasts um but i know that sounds horrible right hey i do a podcast <laughs> i don't listen to them it's just most to be honest like i just i i don't have a long commute so i'm one of those people like if i want to listen to something i want to be in one sitting but anyway with our last podcast like we had like i had no idea people did that and what's funny is our some of our best friends in like the podcasting world, uh, they started their podcast the same day as our old one did. They're still going. It's uh, Monsters vs. Men, but they did the same thing, right? And eventually they outgrew that because they're like, okay, you know, we can be better than that. Or, you know, just kind of realizing that's uh, it's a way to limit yourself, I think. But yeah, I mean, that that is how we started. And we just realized like, 
yeah, it's just there's so much more you can do if you go outside of that. I'm the teacher and you're the student kind of it's jokey mentality, but that's really how it comes off because eventually you're going to kind of meet up in the middle. And at that point, that gimmick falls away, I think. And it's just sort of two people talking. And you know, there's, exactly. there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that format. I just oh, don't that's that, that's just a very common way for people to structure their shows around yeah. a very specific subject that a lot of people may not be as informed about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of, of being informed, I, I was wondering, for myself and for the people listening, what specifically about Ultraman made you want to devote a show to it? Because I know with your previous show, you talked about Godzilla and, and explaining mm-hmm. things behind it. But of all the Toku franchises out there, uh, what made you decide to go with Ultraman? Great question. So... I think like a lot of people, I really didn't get into Ultraman heavily until Ultraman Z. So I knew what it was. I mean, even growing up, you know, uh, I can't remember the American version of Gridman as like Super Samurai Cyber Squad or whatever. I th- yeah, I think that's right. Um, it's like, I remember that growing up. I'm actually pretty sure I had a toy or two, but I had no idea really what it was. I just knew it was like Power Rangers, right? Um but like, so I always had some kind of idea who Ultraman was. I remember seeing Ultraman Tiga on TV. Um, you know, the Mill Creek releases came out in 19. And I'm like, oh, okay, EG Subarai, like, you know, let's let's check it out. And I remember being intrigued by Ultra Q, but just nothing really clicked at the time. And then Ultraman Z came out and I saw a preview for it. I'm like, oh man, this looks incredible. Like, where has this been? Because like, I love... I, at that point, like, I loved tokusatsu, but, like, it was all movies at that point. And I wasn't really interested in Kamen Rider. I wasn't really interested in Sentai. So I was like, okay, let's finally give this a shot. So as I started watching Ultraman Z and getting into these other series, I think the thing that I really connected with and why I wanted to do a show about it is when you go back to the original with not so much, you know, Ultra Q, even though it's a phenomenal show, but when you go back to the original Ultraman, you know, E.G. Tsuburaya being a uh, converted Catholic, uh, there's just such a sense of hope and uh, compassion and this idea of like the brotherhood of man uh, that was very present in other tokusatsu movies at the time under the Toho banner, like uh, what Ashiro Honda and some of these other directors and writers would do. So it's just a show that like, yes, it's about monsters and science patrols and explosions, but underlying it is this idea of like, what could we be like, what, what could this world look like if we wanted to be better, right? If we extended compassion to people, if maybe we thought about the consequences of these decisions we were making, it was just a very smart show. And I found myself compelled in a way that nothing against Godzilla. Like there's some really great films in there, but the thing I noticed is up until the 70s, you know, you had a very intentional, like, countercultural message in a lot of those movies. And then once we hit the 90s and the 2000s, you really lost a lot of that, which they're fun movies. It's just, I like to do these kind of deep, more, you know, I like to think about themes and ideas. And I found, like, Ultraman is just this trove of treasures, so to speak, whereas with Godzilla, I was like, man, I'm getting burned out. Like, I knew what was coming with the 90s, and I'm like, Chris, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, that is a subject I want to get back to in a moment. But as for the Ultraman, I will echo your idea because, like you, I was aware of Ultraman for several years because, like, you know, when you get into Tokyo, you're sort of bombarded with a lot of different, like, properties and characters, and over Mm -hmm. time, certain ones start to look familiar. And Ultraman was the last one that I really was able to latch on to because I started with Sentai, okay. went through it, then Rider, and now with Ultra. And Ultraman Z, or Z, depending on how you say it, it was the first one I was able to watch from start to finish because Super Raya Production was able to put all that for free on YouTube. But you can go right now, everybody, and watch it. It's phenomenal. The whole uh, You don't need season. to know anything about Ultraman, and you can mm-hmm. love it. I mean, that's... That is the one thing about Ultraman shows that I love. Like, if you know the lore and the mythos, you're really going to appreciate it. But they do a really good job of not, like, overcomplicating things. Definitely. I mean, I do appreciate how there's, like, an intense level of lore and detail for Mm -hmm. those who are looking for it. 
but you can hop right in and still feel like, oh, you're not really missing anything. And I did, I love Z, uh, Zet, and as, as I'm used to calling it, <laughs> because I, and plus I, I just sort of like this sort of the Japanese pronunciation of English word. It's just sort of a kind of funny to me, but I, I love the series, and there is sort of like this overall message of, of hope. Like, what could we be if we put aside our differences and work together? And, and like, in Japan, where you have, like, the, the, the sort of the national mindset of, like, the group versus the individual, yeah. I feel like there there is, like, a stronger sense of sort of communal unity in certain regards. Oh, absolutely. That definitely comes through with Ultraman. It's, like, this big push for, like, positivity and unity. Even though, of course, it is, like... Folk is through the focus of or POV of one particular character. You always have like a bigger team that the Ultra works with. Like they're mm-hmm. whatever the requisite uh, seasons, like science crew or like home base team is. There's always a a group of individuals working alongside uh, the Ultra for the season. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not something that's unique to Ultraman. I, I know you weren't saying that, but it is definitely something that being I'm not like a anti-American kind of person, but like individualism is a very present thing in our country and our sphere part of the world right whereas you know in japan and these other cultures it's more communal and community-based where i mean even the idea of like moving away from family is a big deal whereas Mm -hmm. here in the states i mean it's not uncommon to to, like i heck i did it several times growing up i moved away i moved on my own and you know it's just it's it's a different mindset it's not inherently one's better than the other necessarily i have my thoughts but like yeah it's definitely you can tell in these shows there's more of a how can we work together as a team and not necessarily you know like ultraman's trying to steal the glory you know or the science patrol you know they're they're trying to do it on their own they learn like hey we could work together and it's all about protecting the world rather than gaining this fame and you know being a superhero and yeah. the way that we see it. I do appreciate the sort of the different interpretations of superhero East oh, yeah. versus West. And, and I, and I do love how, of course, you know, you have one character turned to a giant battle or fights monsters, but, and it, and it, but it doesn't just diminish the efforts of like the, the civilian crew who, who mm-hmm. use science technology and, and their other skills to sort of complement you know the main character and, and i i always appreciate that different seasons do, do it in different ways and to different uh effect but that is a a version of a team effort through the lens of ultraman that i i've always appreciated for even from just a few series that i've gotten to see yeah and well speaking of the series you, we uh we both uh, talked about watching ultraman z but what are some of the other ultra series that you have gotten to watch so far Ooh. okay so uh, I should have that pulled up. So pretty much everything that's been released by Mill Creek at this point I've seen. So let's see if I can go off in memory here. So we've got Ultraman, which is obviously the original. Um, but before that, you have Ultra Q, which had, did not have an Ultraman. So it was more of kind of like a uh, a Twilight Zone kind of uh, serialized. Uh, I don't really know. Like some people relate it to X-Files. I don't think that's as accurate. Um, but it's black and white. You just have a trio of characters that go around and investigate why monsters are appearing and all this different stuff. It's just very well written. Some very prominent uh, Japanese movie and TV actors and actresses at that point. Uh, but that's what jump started the Ultra series, right? So Ultra Q, Ultraman, then you have Ultra Seven, and then you have Return of Ultraman, which is actually not the same Ultraman. Uh, that's it's kind of confusing if you just go by the title. Uh, and then after that, here's a few that I haven't seen. So there's Ultraman Ace, and then there's Ultraman Taro and Ultraman Leo. So those all came out here pretty recently. Um, I was going to start watching them, but then I was like, I'll just wait for the podcast to do that. Uh, but once we jump into the current era, uh, so I've watched a little bit of Ultraman Tiga. I'm about halfway through, and I was really excited to see they're going to release that here in, I believe, October uh, along with Dinah in November and then Gaia in December. Uh, Ultraman Mabius and Ultraman Nexus, those were both in the 2000s, both wonderful shows. I've seen Ultra 7X, I've seen Neo Ultra Q, and then in the, the new generation era, uh, there's Ultraman Ginga, Ultraman Ginga S, then you have Ultraman X, Ultraman Orb, Orb Origins, 
Then you have Ultraman uh, Rube. It's R slash B, or as uh, Chris calls it, Ultraman R and B. And then <laughs> yeah. Ultraman Taiga, and then Ultraman Z, and now we're at Ultraman Trigger. I think I hit all of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's, if it seems like a lot, it, because it is, uh, because um, recently, this year, a few weeks ago, uh, past this recording, uh, was the 55th anniversary celebration for Ultraman. So for for pretty much the, over a half a century, Ultraman has been in some form of production pretty consistently for the last five decades, which is incredible to think that. Absolutely incredible. That this show has had the longevity that it's had. And really, almost all the Toku shows, like with Sentai, with Ryder, like they, each of them have been around for multiple decades. And just like the different generations, how they just find new ways to reinvent themselves and stay present. And there definitely have been sort of lean times because I know with, mm-hmm. um, it, it was with uh, Ginga, right? Where they, yeah. it, they was at the verge of cancellation. Yeah, it was, uh, so between Ultraman Max and Ultraman Ginga, there was hardly anything. You had a couple movies, like the Ultraman Zero movie, and then you had shows like Ultra 7X, but by and large, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot going on, and Subaraya was on the brink of bankruptcy, if I remember right, but then uh, Ginga came in, and uh, the Bandai partnership really, really saved their their butts. Yeah. And I will say, the Super Eye Productions—they've always worked, you know, within like the letter of their budget and finding ways to sort to work to even outside of like what they're able to do with that shoestring budget. And I think Ginga is a great example of like the modern era of them taking a very tiny budget and just like going so far with it. Yep. The series that I've seen, I have, I've seen a good bit of the original. Ultraman. The original series is rather long, so I'm sort of like watching it in chunks. <laughs> All of them are though back then. I mean, you're looking at anywhere from like 40 to 50 episodes. It's it's tough to get through, especially in like one sitting. If it wasn't yeah. for the podcast, <laughs> some of these shows would be like, uh, I'll get back to you next year. Because And plus, like, I'm not a binging type person, so like for me mm-hmm. to just like sit and just watch several episodes in a row is a bit out of my nature, but uh, I love the original series. I got to watch it. A friend of mine got me the um, the Blu-ray sets for oh, Ultra nice. Q and uh, Ultraman. Great quality. There's there's a ton of detail and 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 the linear notes for the DVDs. It, it's a, like I remember just like taking the, the little booklet out and just reading it because like it's just <laughs> it's it's dense with information to give you monster details, episode details, details about the history and like it's they put a lot of effort and like care into these um these dvd releases and i really appreciate that how like i guess generous with the content they've had with ultraman especially yeah yeah chris and i will critique their grammar and typos every once in a while but it's out of love it's i mean obviously we could just have nothing right and we both know that but it's just it's we're both well, actually, he's not an English major now that I think about it. But uh, being an English major, sometimes it's really tough. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> It's like a run-on sentence, like zero out of ten. I know. It's like, seriously, I mean, I would do this for free. Just let me proofread it. I promise it would be better. Uh, and as for the – I've seen a little bit of Return of Ultraman, a little bit of Taro. Okay. Um, of the newer series, I've seen all of Z. Just recently started Orb within uh, this last week. Oh, and I'm, nice. I'm, I'm loving Orb. I'm, uh, it's really interesting to see the contrast of the main character from Orb to sort of the other series like Geed or mm-hmm. or um, or Z because he have like he kind of like a cool guy type hero. Like he's very much he knows what he's doing, and he have the other characters who are like they're sort of learning as the show progresses so the, yeah the see, see like a more seasoned character be the ultra it, it's an interesting contrast you see, and that's the thing so you see a little bit more of that in orb origins because obviously it's an origin story but yeah i agree guy has so for those of you who haven't watched it he has this big brown like kind of like leather coat he has this brown leather hat he's a very suave just composed guy the only thing i have about guy is every once in a while he'll have this voice that makes him sound like Kermit the Frog. And I'm like, I don't know why he does it. 
but I hear it, and I'm like, what's going on? I, I, I don't know if that's intentional on the actor's part, but don't to me... Either. But, it, but to me, it is funny to see, like, the the little cracks in his, like, cool guy facade. Yeah. Like, there was a moment uh, from an episode I watched very recently how he's, like, he's got his coat thrown over his shoulders, like, I'll see you around, kiddo. And then Naomi, the the, the female lead, she's like, oh, do you want to stay for, like, a home-cooked meal? And he just stops and turns on a dime. It's like, food? And then yep. he just, like, his cool guy persona just, like, disappears at, like, a home-cooked meal. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. I, I definitely enjoy Orb quite a bit. I'm really interested to, to start um, Rubu, uh, R slash B. There's a lot of different versions of how you pronounce the title on that one. Yeah. Yeah, I just go off of the fact that you have so Ultraman Rosso and Ultraman Blue. So when they combine, they become Ultraman Rube. So I just go with Rube. But yeah, I've heard like five different ways. I'm just like, we're all talking about the same show. Yeah. It, the, the trouble of like when you have a... a english title that's pronounced in japanese <laughs> it's, it's like you said how uh atrocious is like yeah. that's their their way of saying it so it's mm. it's interesting um because I, I also was given the dvd sets for for rubu and geed i've seen a little bit of geed and i will i will admit i had a bit of a harder time getting into geed but i think i'm finding my footing with it yeah definitely stick with that one it's i think quality wise is one of the better new generation shows in my opinion and i know with like how a lot of geed sort of is is infected is affected by this this preeminent villain character the one that your show is named after belial mm-hmm. he he plays a, a big role in that and i and what i i remember hearing geed there's a there's a it, it story really is strong as it as it goes on and and like uh, I, I love Riku as he returns and um, Z to be a mentor for uh, Hikaru. Yeah, I think you mean Haruki. Oh, excuse me, uh, Haruki, excuse me. <laughs> I know, there's there's so many names that are similar. You have Hikaru, Haruki, and then Ultraman Hickory, right? And yeah. it's just like, huh. and like, And especially when, like, when you're like me, who's just like, oh, let me just try to watch three different series at once because I'm just <laughs> so excited. And then, like, I'm... Yeah. It's like a Charlie Day meme, like flowchart, trying to keep everybody's names in line. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. I get that. And actually, just recently uh, today, I bought like one of the uh, the movie sets, the uh, Ultra Galaxy Mega Monster Battle nice. set. I, I bought that one today when I was out doing my errands to have one more for the pile. That that is a fun movie. You don't really have to know much about Ultraman, and you can have a really good time with that one. Um, it does tie in with the show that it's based off of, but again, you don't really have to know a whole lot because you'll like, there's still enough to kind of like hold your hand to get through it. Right. Because it really says a movie. They kind of assumed that not everybody was going to watch the show that was based on a video game. So (laughs) go figure. Yeah. They, they are rather generous with like letting people sort of wade into the, the deeper waters of the series. Mm-hmm. Toku is, just a, is, is such a big part of my life. I I love like sharing it with others, and and I will say my friends have been very receptive to it. Like I, I, there's even a few episodes of our show AYCH where I I broke down a basic a, basically a Toku's a beginner's guide. To, I talked talk to my friends about uh, Super Sentai, Kamen Rider, the Japanese Spider Man, and sort of like a like a how to guide for like. Super Man is a is a who if you if 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 you out there haven't seen it it's it's on YouTube I would definitely encourage you to seek that out it's it's a it's a wild ride but basically just sort of uh, like a beginner's guide for those who haven't get into it. and they really enjoy themselves so I was going to ask you that's awesome are, are your friends receptive to like your your Toku interests does your family um, watch Toku with you what's that like yeah so great question. Uh, I think like most of us during the pandemic, most of our friends we talk to online. Um, but in real life, no, I mean, it's not that they're not receptive. It's just as bad. I don't know if it sounds bad, but like, yeah, I really like tokusatsu, but it's not really like something I talk to about a lot of people uh, or talk to talk about with people. I don't know. Words. They're hard. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, they'll trust me the people who know me they know i like godzilla and ultraman stuff like that but it's just it never really comes up um i do have a couple friends here and there that like godzilla so like 
you know, we'll talk about, you know, Godzilla vs. Kong, or I'm like, hey, you should check out Singular Point. And they're like, what's Singular Point? I'm like, have you been living under a rock? You need to watch this right now. But by and large, it's typically not something. It's just, I don't know. I don't really hang out with people like me. It's weird. Um, but that said, with the family, though, yeah, I mean, my son, like, he loves Ultraman. Like, loves it probably yeah probably more than i do <laughs> and i mean my wife she knows who ultraman is i mean she sat down and watched a few episodes i mean uh yeah she went with me to go see godzilla 2014 um i mean i took my son to see godzilla vs kong heck i took my mom to go see it because she's the one who introduced me to godzilla you know almost 30 years ago just internet my mom was kind of low-key handing that she want, really wanted to see uh, Godzilla versus Kong, and uh, we took a, a group to a private screen, screen, and then she had a really good time. So That was a, that was a funny episode. <laughs> I don't remember who was, who was talking about their dad talking the whole time and how, like, he was talking about how if it wasn't realistic, and obviously he's joking, and I don't have everyone's voices memorized, but, man, I was having a... I was having a hoot during that part. Yeah, that was uh, that was Wenzel. He's talking about his dad, and and they're they're very close. And his dad's a big military buff, and he, he I think he was introduced Wenzel to sort of Godzilla and the like as well. And he's like, well, th- you know, this, this, and that, like all sort of like the <laughs> military inaccuracies of it. It was a hoot too. But yeah, I mean, you know, as a family, I mean, we're we're pretty big into Godzilla. Like I've got a J- uh, Jake Bannon print of Godzilla on the back wall here. I mean. You know, Jasper has his shirts and his toys and stuff. But, yeah, it's it's just one of those things Really, like, I mean, I talk to people that they know it's something I like, but I'm definitely more of an evangelist through the podcast than I am in real life because when I'm around people, we usually have <laughs> other things to talk about. Yeah. It's, as bad as that sounds, it's just kind of, you know, when, when we've kind of got out of the hell that was 2020, you know, we're all just trying to figure out, like, how to get through, and some people just don't want to talk about that. Yeah, it, it's, it's very fair, um, but I do think it's just really cool that your family, especially your children, are like, that this is something that y'all do together. It's like... Oh, yeah. It seems kind of weird to say, like, because a lot of the fans in the West are sort of adult children. Like, they, they sort of grew up with Power Rangers and things like that, so, like, keeping that sort of whimsy alive... <laughs> Through through like these Toku shows, but it's it's cool to see that there are you know actual children on you know this end of the of the world who like who do like watch it and you know and like enjoyed it just as much as the adults do. I don't think you were wrong when you said the adult children though. I mean, I, I, I didn't mean that dismissively. <laughs> like, have of you course. been on Twitter lately? <laughs> <laughs> and like, of course, I wasn't dismissive, but like, you know, I consider myself an adult child. But sort of like, I know, I know, you know. I just, yeah, it's fandoms can be uh, an interesting business. Yeah. Let's put it that way. But yeah, it's, it, it is interesting because I mean, like I said, I grew up watching Godzilla. I mean, the original, I guess, Godzilla King of the Monsters, the 56 version, probably the first movie I ever remember watching. Yeah. You know, I went to school, well, first day of kindergarten, I was in my Red Ranger Jason outfit, right? I mean, it was just like, I was so pumped and I actually made friends who, you know, I, I would call friends for almost, you know, 20 years because of that day, right? Yeah. You know, so it's some form of tokusatsu or just even Godzilla-adjacent stuff has always been a part of my life. Like, I, I can, can't stress that enough. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of one of those things that I would say with most of the people I'm around, like, they'll, they'll talk about Marvel, right? So we kind of have that bridge, and then sometimes I'll interject a little bit of Ultraman and Godzilla in there. But I think with Marvel being kind of the cultural zeitgeist at the moment, yeah, that's kind of what most people want to talk about when it comes to movies and stuff like that. And I definitely feel like there's enough room in sort of like the Marvel talk, you know, because they're they're giant monsters and, and things like oh, yeah. that. Like, like my friends and I were joking on our episode for Falcon and Winter Soldier that, like, we were hoping that, like, the big twist for the end of the series is that Falcon and Winter Soldier have to fight U.S. Kaiju, which is, which is like, a rather obscure character, but it feels like <laughs> if they're going to pull something crazy, that'd be uh, a fun way to introduce that character to the larger yeah. uh, <laughs> viewing audience for Marvel. I mean, we did get an interesting monster in uh, Loki. That was pretty down for that. Yeah, that is true. But on, on the thing, sort of, like, your friend's knowing you as like the Toku guy, the Godzilla guy. Mm-hmm. Like that's how my friends, they know me, like, you know, they like 
they're vaguely aware of like certain characters. Like you know, they'll see me post stuff. Like, oh, that so and so or that somebody, and they'll they'll get me stuff. Like my roommate, they actually got me a Ultraman Ace uh, pop for from Christmas. Oh, awesome! They didn't know like what it was. Oh, that's Ultraman. Pat likes that. That's going in the stocking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's my life is if there's ever anything Godzilla related that becomes a meme, you better believe I get like this same like I get it sent like five or six times to me and I just want to be like, I've already seen it. I saw it months ago. But thanks, guys. You, 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 give, you give them the three laughing, crying emojis be like, like you saw it for the first time. Exactly. Yeah, it's like it's it's the thought that counts. I appreciate you. Yeah. And I, I will say uh, there have has been like a more recent convert, a, a good friend of mine, uh, right as uh, quarantine was, quote, lifting. They asked me to sort of help them to, to get started into Tokyo. And I was like, oh, my time has oh, come. Nice. So I so I gave them uh, my TED talk about where they can start, wh- what they can uh, watch freely and easily. And mm-hmm. I think they started with Common Rider. Okay. I showed them a few places they could watch because for folks who don't know, because there are currently, I, I would say Tubi and Pluto TV are some of the best like free platforms to to really test out your your interest in Tokusatsu because you know there's there's no subscription fee for those platforms and you and there's like there's a pretty good catalog of stuff they have and it's all subtitled and there's several series so I think that'd be a great boon for anyone who's sort of to look into stretch their legs in like the greater tokusatsu world because they have sentai they have rider they have ultraman so you have like the big three Mm -hmm. and you can sort of take your pick from those within those two platforms i would say and youtube as well yeah and that actually was part of the reason why we're watching the shows we're watching that's you saying that reminded me because we didn't want to talk about you know some of the more popular shows that are you have to stream them illegally yeah. to watch them. Um, you know, so all the shows we're discussing have been uh, Mill Creek releases, right? Mm. And that's that's our goal again. Is if you can't watch it free, which most of them you can, then at least you know you could go on Barnes and Noble or Best Buy or somewhere like that to purchase the movies and their or the shows and an entire series is like anywhere from twenty to thirty bucks. It's really not. A bad deal at all especially when some of these you know series and maybe it's 25 episodes but it comes with a movie yeah so you're getting quite a bit of bang for your buck so yeah i mean it's it's an amazing time to be a tokusatsu fan because like you said like you know shout factory alone has a huge amount of a large amount excuse me of free shows you can watch whether it's you know even like uh super sentai zoo ranger right you know the show that you know my Morphin power rangers is based off of which is incredibly darker than obviously what we got here oh yeah States. for sure for sure I, I started watching it and i'm like oh my gosh this is intense yeah it, it really is sort of funny seeing the original version and then comparing it to your childhood memories because yeah um on a recent episode of our show we were talking about my roommate and i about big bad beetleborgs and how mm-hmm. it is so vastly different from the Japanese property, because the Japanese property is, oh, these are, like, armored combatants and, like, cybernetic inset, like, uh, armor. And then the American version is, like, these kids stumble into a haunted house with a Liberace ghost genie that lives in the pipe organ and gives him <laughs> comic book powers. And just, like, it's yeah. insane. And what's even funnier is when you have the American adaptation go back to Japan to be uh, subbed and, like, it finding their fans there like like how um Kamen Rider Dragon Knight the American adaptation of the Kamen Rider Yuki it went to Japan and it was pretty successful from what I hear huh interesting we were talked earlier like 2021 is sort of like this boon year for tokusatsu it was just like this outpouring of like streaming releases from Japan for Ultraman and with Super Riot YouTube channel putting up the new series and sort of like live streaming the current series because when Z, when mm-hmm. Z was new last year they played every episode weekly and now with Trigger it started uh, the second episode came out at the time of this recording and it's sort of I, I'm getting that charge again because like oh boy it's brand new Ultraman uh, every yep. Friday night 
Yeah, within 48 hours, the first episode had ugh, crap. I already forgot a lot of downloads. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> well, not downloads, streams. Excuse me. Yeah. And well, I figured while we're on the subject, why don't we talk about the new Ultraman? Of the two episodes that you've seen, what are your first impressions of Ultraman Trigger? First impressions is I'm glad I have been quote unquote legally watching it on a site that will not be named <laughs> YouTube. Um, because again, you know, Ultraman's really good at not like requiring you to watch previous shows to understand it, but I will say there are already a lot of things that if I had not started watching Tiga, I think that's what I meant to say, Tiga. It's like I said, it's been a long day. So uh, if I hadn't started watching that, then there's probably a few things now I wouldn't have appreciated as much. But by and large, it's really interesting that they decided to take such a popular show being Tiga and really kind of doing like a, it's almost like a soft reboot for the current generation of fans. And I don't know if it's going to be something that just does away. Like it's, it's hard to see how they're going to make this, like what they're going to do with it. Is it going to be like a complete reboot? Is it going to be something that they both exist? I mean, I don't really care. I'm just happy to be along for the ride. Yeah. So that intrigue is interesting. Um, I really like the fact that the, uh, the ultra host or the protagonist is very, you know, his, his, motivation is to make people smile right i mean i know that sounds cheesy but especially after what's happened the past year i'm like that's a very admirable desire um one of the things i love is in the uh the team that helps support ultraman right even though they exist outside of him that's obviously their job or they desire to help ultraman defeat the monsters is two of the actors that you'll see there uh, I, I don't have their names in front of me, but the guy that always talks about working out and then you have the girl that uh, directs or um, pilots the drone. So they both were characters in previous mm -hmm. Ultraman shows. And I think it's just because they were such good actors that were underutilized. One was in Ginga S for like two or three episodes. The other was in... Um, and Geed, you know, as a, as a shopkeeper here and there, but they're both phenomenal actors. So it's good to see them back. And yeah, it's even with the, the main, um, not the main character, the head of the Shizuma foundation, you can tell there's more going on with him. The Misia, it's just already, it's so intriguing and it's, it's, yeah, I, I really think it's off to a good start. Um, like any show, it has to stick the landing. But I think having uh, the director who has worked on several other shows, uh, I, I think it's in capable hands. Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of the CG personally, mm -hmm. but I'll I'll deal with it. I mean, this episode was better than the first one. But uh, what about you? What are your thoughts so far? I, I really enjoyed that first episode and, and uh, this week's episode as well. Um, and like you said... This is sort of like a soft reboot, reimagining of Ultraman Tiga, which came out, correct me if I'm wrong, in the early 2000s. Uh, it was in the 90s, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's sort of basically it's a re-examination of that series for a new generation. Like, it's literally the title, Ultraman Trigger, New Generation Tiga, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was interesting that the series starts on Mars and has this young man who's who wants to be a botanist that he's, he's genetically crafting this special flower that he hopes will bring happiness to the world around him and how it's, and how he sort of gets involved with this 30 million year old space plot and with these, this evil ultra woman, uh, uh, her name is Camara. Uh, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Cause, Cause I've seen Camara. <laughs> I've seen Camilla. Basically yeah. she's up to no good. And she sicks a monster on the, uh, the the dome Mars City, and I thought it, there was a really interesting, I guess, fight because you have the this monster he comes in and, and wrecks house, and they had a very interesting camera movement when they were sort of like mm -hmm. following the monster and the Ultraman as they're fighting, but then um, when uh, Camilla will say shows up, there was like it turned into like this like mud wrestling sort of. Yeah, I guess fight and which I haven't really seen it from my sort of foray into Ultraman yet, but I do. I always appreciate the level of details that goes into the sets and the miniature making, and this was just a, a very different environment for 
what what I'm used to in Ultraman so far. Let's just say there's one other show that has a similar fight scene as that. It's also by the same director. So the director is a Koichi Sakamoto. So he got his start by working with Power Rangers, actually, as a uh, uh, working in the stunt element. I don't remember if he's like a stunt director or whatever the case may be. Um, but he then started directing Ultraman. Uh, so like he did uh, Ultraman Ginga S. He did uh, some stuff in Ultraman X. But he was the main director for Ultraman Geed. So having him on for Ultraman Trigger, which he also was the director for the Ultraman Belial movie too, if I remember right. Um, yes, so Ultra Galaxy. But yeah, so having him as a director for this, it's definitely going to be a lot more action driven. There's going to be a lot more attention to the camera work with the fighting, which I'm all about. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I think this most recent episode it was they actually did a really good job of blending the the CGI and the suitmation. I I thought um, there's a couple CGI spots that are kind of dodgy, but then when you get these overhead shots and it's going back and forth, it worked really well in this episode. And I will say, like for 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 like non Tokyo fans, like there is going to be like some some hit or miss like CG, but I, I never felt like oh this is pulling me out and if anything oh, like not at all anything i kind of feel like i enjoy the charm of of the cg being a little weak in places because it's like with the old show from the from the show era you have like exactly the, the miniatures and the props so like there's a, a certain level of charm to like the i guess the quote low grade even though there's a great amount of skill and that's dedicated to even quote the lowest grade of, you know, special effects. So I appreciate that. And like coming off of like Z when I feel like there were some really impressive, like ultra fights Mm -hmm. in Z. And I'm really excited to see like there, there there was a moment in the second episode where the drone uh, pilot, she was flying in the air and like the, the monster tentacles were like chasing her. I thought that was a great sequence. Oh, it looked great. Yeah. That, that scene in particular is great. It was a, it's mostly, in my opinion, like when you have the guy, Mara, I don't remember how to pronounce it, but the monster in that episode. Yes. There was just one shot where it was just him doing something. I was like, eh. <laughs> but this is where you get into this whole, like, I'm more forgiving when it comes to shows and special effects, whether it's the, the miniature work or the special or the CGI, because the budget they have has to be split into each episode. Yeah. Right. Whereas if it's a movie, in my opinion, I'm like, you need to do it right. Yeah. And, you know, you look at the Godzilla movies and obviously like their, their special effects were by and large phenomenal. You look at the Ultraman zero movie, the CGI in that movie is actually even really good because it's all focused into one thing, right? You're looking at the box office money and all this stuff. So it's the reason why if I watch a Marvel movie, I may pick apart the CGI more than I would if I'm watching Loki or, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, stuff like that. That's just, in my opinion, I feel like the budget numbers are just so different that you can't expect the same level each time. Yeah. But then we're going to get the Lord of the Rings movie or the Lord of the Rings show. I'm going to expect top of the line there because they're the budget for that is just astronomical so it better look good yeah it was like multi (laughs) super critical multi hundreds of millions of dollars per episodes oh it's ridiculous i don't remember what it was i just remember looking at it and being like uh yes please yeah it's it's like it's kind of hard to remember a time when like what was it rome was like so expensive it got canceled and that now it's just like lord of rings here's 500 Fifty million dollars an episode, go crazy! Yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's insane yeah. how just like what ten years a difference would make. Yeah, Amazon, give me five hundred million to make an episode. I promise it'll be good, and I promise you'll see me again. <laughs> oh, I definitely won't disappear into the the wilds with this. <laughs> but just some some I guess like a few other miscellaneous Ultraman stuff. How do you feel about the Ultraman comics that are being put out by Marvel right now? Good question. So, if you we just released an episode about it, and I'm not a big comic guy. Not that like I think the medium's great. I, it's just for me. You're talking about a lot of Ultraman series. I'm like, I don't know how anyone keeps up with comics. I mean, 
every character has been rebooted 52 times and it's just, you know, it's just such a cluster. But I think what Kyle Higgins and Matt Groom are doing, it's a very interesting story. So far, I think it's done well. The critique I have is that it seems like comics nowadays are being written to be like a collected in a trade. Oh, definitely. So I am not loving it as much if I go issue by issue. But then when I sit down and I read it all together, I'm like, oh, this is great because it just feels like a really big story that's cohesive. But issue to issue, I'm just like, uh, my mo. It, it, it just it. it the momentum just waxes and wanes and it's just, it doesn't work for me as well. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to get into it and I think you should just pick up the trade. Like I don't think anyone's missing out by not buying each issue, but I also want to see this keep happening. Like they just announced next year's comic series is going to be ultra seven. So I'm excited about that. So I will keep buying the issues, but I also will reread them as a trade to kind of express my collected opinion, yeah. pun intended. Because I definitely do agree. As someone who does who does read comics very regularly, it is even more of a hurdle. I would say even than like just you know international property that diving into. I feel like at least with a lot of like manga or Japanese shows that like there is it's I feel like there's a more clear starting point and it's and it's more. Mm -hmm collective like it's to itself whereas you know if you want to start reading spider-man where do you where do you go because like all these different versions all these different books so i understand the trepidation of like starting comics if you if you aren't already into it but as for the series itself i will say i i re i really like the first series because there's two ultraman books that run now there's rise of ultraman and there's trials ultraman the current uh ongoing book and I really say that very first issue, I think, is like, it was fantastic. It was probably my favorite yep. issue of the series so far. And I, I liked the, the first run overall. The second run, it feels a lot slower to me. And it's definitely more dialogue-driven. It's not oh yeah, absolutely bad, but I, I definitely feel like this, would, this will flow better as a trade. Because mm -hmm. month to month, it's, I'm kind of feeling like, well... Did anything happen almost? <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's that's what's tough is, you know, I'm not I'm not really into manga either. But with like the Ultraman manga, I'll get it from my library. And at least with that, you have however many volume, well, however many chapters in a single volume. So it it feels like I have to wait longer, but it feels like more rewarding when I'm done. Mm -hmm. But I would probably feel the same way if I just read chapter by chapter. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's it's just tough. I mean, it's hard to, in my opinion, I don't really know the right way to critique it. But yeah, I, I think the first Rise of Ultraman has been more enjoyable so far. I like some of the ideas they're doing with Trials, but it's just one of those things where I don't, I, I want to see if they're going to stick the landing. I'm a little bummed that we haven't got more of the uh, the Ultra Q side story that we got with the first series i'm like yeah i thought that was a really compelling or interesting story and i know they've kind of done a little bit of hints here and there i just wish we could see more of that exactly so i'm, I'm definitely taking a wait and see and then i would love i would i'd love to see this continue this partnership that super Mario has with marvel because i i would love yeah. for ultraman to, to to gain a wider audience and and just to see like a different perspective on it because you know, I've seen a few Ultra series so far, and like I kind of know what the Japanese sort of feeling for it is in some regards. But to have like a different interpretation of it is always always interesting. And on that different interpretation, uh, have you heard of this series called Ultra Mega that's been coming out this year as a comic? I've heard of it. I heard it's uh, pretty pretty gruesome. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a bit of an understatement. But I would say it, it, it is a, a different interpretation of Ultraman. It's a very dark, horror-themed, gruesome series. And I know that it's definitely not going to be everyone's safe because it's just sort of the content. But in terms mm -hmm. of just sort of like action and like monster fighting, this is sort of like wet my whistle in place of the 
the ongoing Ultraman series. I haven't heard anyone say wet their whistle in such a long time. Like, I just want to give you props for that. It's just such a underused phrase. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> uh, but Ultra, Ultra Mega, if if you have, I would say the stomach for it. If you are sort of not put off by its, like, visceral violence, I would say looking into it. Because it's a very fast-paced series. It's, it's, it's very, like, content-rich, I would say, where... In some places, the Ultraman Marvel comic feels like it's treading water at times. It moves really quickly and everything sort of like hmm. is feel very quickly building to something. Even though I know a more violent, gruesome Ultraman may not be everyone's cup of tea, but it's and just in terms of a different perspective on this idea for the character, I think it's an interesting sort of... It has an interesting place in the overall world of like Toku and giant monster genre. Interesting. Yeah, I'm looking into it now. It looks like it's on a Image Comics, which I know one of Kyle Higgins' other um, comics is on Image as well. It's uh, Radiant Black, I believe. Uh, I I had that, the first issue image? of it. Uh, I think I think I want. I almost want to say Radiant Black is Boom, but that's Power Rangers. Yeah. Uh, which, I'm a big fan of the Power Rangers comic. Um, I've been reading it since it started. Yeah, Radiant Black is the image. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I, I did I did want to get into Radiant Black. I only got the first issue, and my local comic book store, they only ha- they're, they're missing the next one, so they have to wait for that issue to come in. Oh, uh, gotcha. So, But I, I was intrigued by it. Basically, if anything resembles like Sentai or Rider Ultraman, you, you automatically have my attention. Because like, <laughs> because that's how big of a mark I am for, for the genre. So, for good, bad, or indifferent, like I'll always at least check it out for whether whatever uh, it may be. But I was going to ask before we before we wrap up tonight, just sort of any other Toku interests that you have that you're watching right now. Sort of like sort of round yeah. out the bigger Toku picture. We do could we focus on Ultraman today? Obviously, that's not going to be the the, the sole sort of interest you have in the genre yeah so to be honest i don't with with watching a show regularly for a podcast i don't really watch a whole lot um so i've been watching you know just outside of tokyo to be honest i've been watching loki but that's done um there's a quite irreverent show i just finished called i think you should leave (laughs) it is an amazing amazing skit show uh yeah just absolutely incredible the boys in the show they love colton winslow they they love i think usually they've been trying desperately trying to get us together to watch that they think i'm just some dumb hick <laughs> yeah so it's uh yeah i don't really watch a whole lot i mean you know like i said loki been watching ultraman tiga every once in a while um godzilla singular point that's not really toku but uh, i'm re-watching that with my son i was watching it quote unquote legally uh, while it was airing in Japan a few days after. But yeah, to be honest, I mean, I just don't really watch a whole lot these days. I do a lot more reading <laughs> these days, to be honest. So, And there's nothing wrong with that. As someone who's trying to get back into reading, I, I have a couple of books set aside to, to help me ease back in. Because I, cause I love to read. It's just I developed this issue where no matter whether or not I find the book is compelling or not, I always fall asleep. Like even with it really interesting ones, like I'm just got to a point where I just get comfortable reading and then I just zonk out. It's a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say I, I'm almost done with singular point. I've watched it too. I'm really enjoying it. Although like all the quote science, just like, it just goes one ear out the other. It just sounds like gobbledygook. Yep. It's like, this is, yep. this is very made up. It's very real sounding, but incredibly fake, and it all sounds like gibberish. Yeah, that I know some people are really turned off by that. I'm just, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, so weird fictional science is enough to turn you off, but not watching a movie about giant monsters terrorizing the world, like that takes you out, but not, the, I just, I don't know, people, just standards and whatever. So I honestly think it's some of the best Godzilla we've gotten in a very long time, just because of how unique it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good, fresh take on it. I love the characters. Uh, once you get to the end, it all ties in really well, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's it's one of those things where um, 
I understand why people don't like it. And I'm also the opinion that if you don't like something, you don't have to shout about it on Twitter. But hey, what do I know? Yeah, I got off of that site. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it's, it's, I, I do appreciate y'all's uh, commitment to being like a, a, a positive respite for the fandom again like because like with any fandom there's just going to be like clamor and clashing and negativity mm-hmm. and i always appreciate when there's positivity and camaraderie like i have a, a good friend who does a star wars show and you can imagine the the vitriol oh, for boy. that fandom but like that that was our first podcast with star wars oh yeah so this yeah. The, so is bell y'all your third show yeah, so Chris is actually a huge Star Wars fan. Um, not the obnoxious kind of Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's that's where we started. It was uh, 1001 Jedi Knights. And, unfortunately, some of our episodes aren't online anymore. But we only probably did six or seven episodes there. That was back in 2017. Yeah. And then, yeah, we started Kaiju Apostle in uh, 2019. So I've done three podcasts, and they're always with Chris. So that's kind of, he's my ride or die. Well, that's awesome because with my guys, we started in 2017 with All You Can Hear. And mm-hmm. yeah, I saw you guys have almost 300 episodes. No, yeah, we're nothing if not prolific. <laughs> and then in 2020, the founder, AYCH, they, they stepped away and I, um, I sort of took the reins and I've been sort of guiding this very rickety train as ever since and we recently had our spinoff show Cajun Greatness where we talk about Nicolas Cage movies with my good friend and, that's amazing and owner of a local comic store Justin he's like uh, I would say the biggest Nicolas Cage fan in central Alabama who also loves Godzilla Nicolas Cage is a huge Godzilla fan very big fan and, and like I do appreciate just sort of the Venn diagram of all the like we even had a episode on Cage Greatness once a month, we do like a non-cage episode, generally where um, we talk about anything. And I chose for my birthday to talk about Giver, which is a mm-hmm. American adaptation of the of the Japanese Toku series. Uh, Giver. There's a little bit of Toku and and all the AYCH programs. Do you want to know a fun fact about Giver? Oh, uh, what's that? Uh, so actually, uh, Koichi Sakamoto, uh, he did a, a stunt role. And 1994's Giver Dark Hero. That was the one we talked about. Okay, there we go. <laughs> he was uh, the stunt for Sakai. And uh, and the director, Stephen Wang, he was a director for Power Rangers for Comrade Dragon Knight. So, like, it's a very, he's, he's very much died in the wool. That's awesome. I would suggest watching Giver Dark Hero. It's very cheesy, but the action and monster effects are very much legit. Yeah, I can live with that. Which is very part of the course for a token in general, I would say. But I just remembered there was a one more thing I want to talk to you about, and that was sure. you talked about getting burnt out, and like for a show that focuses so specifically, what is your sort of way to combat that? Because with with us, like we're a variety show, we kind of we, we kind of do everything. But with mm-hmm. with someone that focuses on one particular subject, how do you keep that fire burning to to continue on with this particular subject? Um, so slightly serious, slightly joking answer, uh, medication. <laughs> uh, I got on medication last year and that, uh, that helped everything quite a bit. Uh, but in all seriousness, I think it's going back and forth, uh, between the different eras of the show, right? So when we did Kaiju Apostle podcast, we started in the beginning and we we're moving progressively on and on and on and on. So it was a lot of the same stuff, which is fine. But again, not to disparage the 90s films, they're fun for what they are, but I'm just like, I knew what was coming and I felt like it was accurate to say the the best days were behind us and there wasn't for our approach for our show, which was to take a theological analysis of these films, there wasn't a lot moving forward. Whereas where we're at now, our emphasis isn't on deep dives. We can do that when we want to. Our emphasis now is just having fun. Yeah. And when we're going from the 60s and we're going to 2013 and then we're, you know, it's like it's just back and forth to keep everything fresh. So that that's really kind of where we're at. And I think for anyone who's interested in tokusatsu, I think it's fine, you know, to watch the era that you like. But if you don't want to get burned out, either a kind of spread it out and vary it up but also like don't consume so much like it's okay to not like everything it's okay to not watch everything like that's that's as a from a personal standpoint like 
that's just something I've had to learn where like just because a new show comes out doesn't mean you have to watch it immediately doesn't mean you have to binge it mm-hmm. um I have I have my moments of binging not gonna lie like even with I think you should leave it's 15 minutes per episode yeah I sat down and watched three or four of them in one sitting whatever but with like Godzilla singular point I would watch it week after week with Dinah Xenon I'd watch it week after week and I enjoy that more personally so a good way to not burn out is also don't binge <laughs> I definitely can echo that sentiment like even though my friends just like harangue me for like how what do you mean you haven't seen all Loki or what do you mean you haven't seen all Falcon Winter Soldier like I'm taking a more measured approach to it like it's not going anywhere and and plus like I don't know it, it kind of helps to feel like you're, you're taking it at your own pace you're not like mm-hmm. you know like just weird societal pressure to like be like to watch it like at midnight and then like know everything about it and t- say everything about it online. It's like, you know, my life goes at a different pace. Like, I can't it's be expected to acquiesce to, like, you know, this never-ending, like, stream of, like, pop culture uh, conversation and everything. So, like, you know, kind of going against the stream, I think, would help. And sort of realizing just because you have something in front of you doesn't mean you have to eat it. You know, like, that sort of, no. like, idea. And plus... To me, like, I feel like it feels like it means more taking, like, a slower approach to it. I just eat it all once. It kind of feels like it just went in and out the other. Like, it doesn't, like, stick. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it, though. Like, in any other context, when is binging a good thing? Yeah. It is not. It's actually a bad thing. It's a harmful thing. So, TV is not any different. (laughs) I don't think so, at least. But, again, I have my moments. I'll, I'll confess that. But... Yeah, I think if you don't want to burn out, that's a really easy way to do it is just don't watch it all at once. Yeah. You know, it's it's okay. <laughs> like you said, it's like bury it up and sort of like take your time with it. Like you're not on anyone's schedule but your own. Yep. But I think that's about all I had for tonight. I want to thank you so much, David, for sitting down with me and talking. It was a long time coming. And Yeah, thanks, Patrick. I really appreciate it. And it's just a lot of fun to speak with a, a fellow Toku fan, a fellow Ultraman fan. You and Chris, you do a great job on your show. I, I'm catching, I'm catching back up with it. I enjoy every episode I'm when listening to. Y'all do a great job over there. That means a lot. Thank you so much. So as we're wrapping up, why don't you tell everyone uh, where they can find you, where they can listen to you, and uh, what's the best way to reach out to y'all? Yeah. So again, we are saved by the Belial and Atrocious Ultraman podcast. Uh, again, the benefit of our show, I say benefit, like, God, I'm still in a sales mindset. Um, <laughs> so the the thing I feel like that sets our show apart is it's it's catered and geared for people who want to experience Ultraman for the first time, right? So we just do, you know, 10 episodes each episode. So it gives you a chance to go on. You can watch the show at your own pace. And when you're done with those episodes, then you can listen to ours, right? We're not here to try to, like, take up all of your time because there's trust me we know there's better uses of your time than listening to us so if you want to listen to us i mean we're on every major podcasting platform you can think of the easiest where i would suggest people to go is just www.atrocious or atrocious however you want to pronounce it pod.com so a-t-r-o-c-i-o-u-s-p-o-d.com so if you go there the front page that you'll see it has all of our episodes on like an Apple podcast playlist. But one of the things you can do is you can click on this uh, link up top. It says where to watch. So as we go through each show, we will put links where you can watch all of these different shows. So currently we've gone through Ultraman. We've gone through Ultraman Ginga and Ginga S. And uh, at, whenever this episode goes live, we'll probably have an episode or two of Ultra 7. So all of those shows you can now watch online for free. So we have links to that where you could click and watch. So it's not something you have to sink some money into, you know, to be able to take part of the conversation. Um, but apart from that, if you want to reach out, uh, we do have a contact page on there. Um, we do use Twitter, but that's more for just posting dumb memes and for letting people know that we have a new episode. Like we actually don't even log in to reply. I just use all of it via third party uh, website because I actually don't use any social media at all. So it's one of those things like I'll post something and I'll just, I'm done. So if you want to reach out to us, email is definitely the best way, which again, you can find it on our website. And I will have links to all, all the different ways you can find Bell Y'all well, thank in, you. in the description of our episode. So we'll definitely give you all the signal boost on our end to make sure anybody listening today, they can go and find you all and 
and uh, just sort of keep the conversation going and just about Toku. So once again, um, thank you, uh, David, for joining us. And Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you all for listening today. You can follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe. And all those platforms helps us out, keeps us visible, puts us in front of new listeners, and we always appreciate you when you do it. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram at AYC Podcast, Letterboxd and Facebook at All You Can Hear, Twitch at twitch.tv slash All You Can Hear, and YouTube as well and All You Can Hear. And lastly, you can follow me, Patrick, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at John Lost His Name, my art on Facebook at John Lost His Name Art. Big thank you for listening today. Big thank you for David for joining us. And hopefully this won't be the last time we speak but because I, I had a great time uh, getting to know you and just talking about Toku today. So hopefully we will be talking again in the future. Let's do it. Thank you, and y'all have a great night. Take care.